Well Within Reach is brought to you by Riverside MyChart, your simple, secure, and confidential online health connection. With just a click, Riverside MyChart lets you stay well connected to the same information your doctor sees. You can request prescription refills, pay your bills, schedule your next appointment, and more. Manage your care from your laptop, tablet, or phone. Whether for yourself, your kids, or the grandparents, MyChart makes your busy life just a little easier. Learn more and enroll today at RiversideMyChart.org. Just another way to stay well connected from Riverside Healthcare. Riverside Healthcare puts the health and wellness information you need well within reach. And this is the Well Within Reach podcast. I'm Alyssa Diaz, and joining us today is Dr. Brian Ruiz de Luzriaga, um, and he's a radiologist here at Riverside Healthcare. Uh, welcome, Dr. Brian. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me today. Today's topic uh, covers breast density, but before we get into the topic, let's talk about your role as a radiologist and um, kind of how that relates to breast health. Uh, so, sure, yeah. Um, I'm a radiologist here at uh, Riverside Medical Center. I've been uh, uh, here at the hospital for uh, about two and a half years now. And uh, as radiologists, um, uh, for our role in the uh, breast imaging center is we're the ones who provide the interpretation for uh, the various imaging tests that patients would have from mammograms to ultrasounds to MRIs. Um, and uh, we, uh, particularly for the screening programs, uh, screening mammography, that's probably the most common uh, experience that patients will have with uh, the imaging center to come in. We provide those interpretations. And then we also uh, help provide um, uh, biopsies and tissue diagnosis for patients who have suspicious findings on their imaging tests. Okay. And, and going right into those imaging tests, um, there is a new amendment that requires if a patient's mammogram demonstrates dense breast tissue, the provider of the mammography service must provide notice to the patient, uh, which can spark many questions and concerns for patients. So we're here to discuss dense breast tissue and um, give everyone a better understanding should they or a loved one receive this diagnosis. So dense breasts, what does it mean? So yeah, so let's go back and um, kind of talk about how, how this all came about. It's it's um, actually a very interesting example of how patient advocacy groups can really affect uh, the way we um, deliver healthcare. So uh, a lot of these initiatives began in the um, in around 2009. Uh, Connecticut was the first state actually to uh, have one of these uh, dense breast notification laws. And so uh, there was an organization started by um, a doctor, Nancy Capello, and she was a PhD um, who had the experience of going in every year for her screening mammograms and every year coming away with a, a normal uh, normal exam, and then was suddenly shocked one year when she was diagnosed with an advanced stage breast cancer, it was stage 3C. And so she formed a group uh, called rudense.org that helped educate women about the issue of dense breast tissue. And uh, this is uh, uh, more and more states have have gone um, have passed laws to uh, help notify women about the density of the um, uh, of their breasts. And so here in Illinois, uh, uh, HB 4392 was passed uh, last year uh, and went into effect January 1 of this year. And so there's two components to uh, the state law, really. It one. 
um, requires that uh, the mammography providers notify women about the dense breast tissue and its effect on the accuracy of mammograms, and then two, encourages the patients to discuss the issue with their health care providers. So when we talk about dense breasts, uh, really the way to think about it is if you're looking at maybe the sun or the moon in the sky, and you can think of it to having a completely clear sky to partly cloudy, mostly cloudy to completely overcast, okay? And so uh, breast tissue works sort of in the same way the clouds do in that they, um, you see the, uh, the breast tissue as white on the background of the uh, fatty tissue, which is darker. And so that white tissue, like the clouds, can kind of obscure uh, you know, masses that we may be looking for in the, in, in the breast tissue. So, um, uh, it's something that, you know, was always known for radiologists to be an issue, um, for, for, uh, making diagnosis, but really these laws, uh, the point of them is to, you know, help, uh, make the patients more aware uh, of the results of their imaging tests and the possible ramifications for them. So image, you know, when a patient receives this letter, it's not necessarily bad news, scary news. It's more to empower the patient so that they understand what this could mean. And it kind of gives them um, that education on their diagnosis so that they understand this is what it could mean. This is how you understand what having a dense breast tissue means for a patient. Right. And again, it's it's um, very much because of patient advocacy groups and women's groups who want to know this information so that they can uh, better able to uh, potentially make other choices uh, for what they may need to do for um, screening. Uh, now, the other thing that's interesting that should really be noted about um, uh, breast density is that Right now, we don't really have um, the medical research available out there that tells us um, exactly what we should do with women who have these dense breasts. And we can talk about that a little later on. But um, right now, it does pose some challenges when you're referring to women getting these letters now and suddenly having this question mark, well, what are they supposed to do from here? Right. And so, so is there a cause for dense breast tissue? What does that mean if somebody is told that they have dense breasts? You know, where does it come from? Right. So um, it's normal to have uh, glandular tissue in the breasts, and it varies uh, amongst women in the population. So as it turns out, about half the women uh, in, in the population have what are considered to be dense breasts. And so uh, uh, if you take a look at population-based data from the National Cancer Institute, for example, uh, the percentage of women that have heterogeneously dense breasts, which means about 50 to 75% dense, that's about 39% of the population. And those with extremely dense breasts, that's another 10%. So if you take a look at women between the ages of 40 to 74 uh, in the US, that's over 27 million women who are gonna have dense breasts. In comparison, those with fatty breasts, where it's uh, a small amount of the glandular tissue and it's mostly fatty, that's only about 10% of the population. And then everyone else is kind of uh, uh, the scattered fibroglandular tissue. So uh, things that cause it. Um, uh, so typically, uh, 
younger women will have more dense breasts than older women. Below the age of 50, uh, over half uh, of women will have dense breasts as opposed to after the year, age of 70 when it's less than 30%. Uh, your weight can affect uh, the density of the breast tissue as well. Typically, uh, those with higher um, higher BMIs, body mass indices, will have less dense breasts than uh, women with uh, lower BMIs. Hormone replacement therapy can also affect uh, uh, breast density as well. Okay. And and if you have dense breast tissue, does that mean that you have dense tissue in other parts of your body? And, you know, what does that mean as a patient? So, uh, you know, really, again, the importance for the, the dense uh, breasts is really specific to screening mammography, uh, where we are, you know, trying to examine the breast tissue itself to look for cancers. So it doesn't really apply uh, or have very much importance to, to other parts of the body. Okay. Okay. And, and those things that you mentioned that may, you know, be a causing factor, looks like lifestyle changes can affect some of that. Um, you know, if, you know, if we're eating right, exercising, things like that, does that seem to make a difference for patients? Is this something that can improve over time? So I think the thing to, um, uh, the, the other thing that's important to know about um, uh, having dense breasts, uh, besides it causing difficulty in examining the breast tissue, uh, there's also research that shows it's in and of itself a risk factor for uh, breast cancer. So as it turns out, um, if you look at women who have um, the heterogeneously dense breasts, um, if you compare those, uh, to women who are, uh, uh, scattered fibroglandular tissue, their risk of breast cancer is about 1.2. If, um, relative risk, uh, if we say something has a relative risk of one, that means it's the same as, um, the average population. So it's slightly higher. And then if you have very dense, uh, extremely dense breasts, then the relative risk is 2.1. But to put that into context, um, that's the same as some other, uh, other, uh, risk factors for possibly, uh, for breast cancer. So for example, having about two drinks of alcohol a day compared to a non-drinker, uh, that's a relative risk of about 1.2. Um, if you have, uh, if you're on hormonal replacement therapy or currently using oral contraceptive pills, uh, your relative risk is about 1.3. Uh, now if you compare that to other things that um, that we think about as having higher risks of breast cancer, for example, say family history, if you have two first-degree relatives with breast cancer, now you're up to about 3.6 or 3.8. If you have a gene mutation, uh, such as one of the BRCA genes, they're talking about a 200-fold uh, uh, increased risk. So, um, you know, dense breasts are uh, do have some importance. Uh, but it's not necessarily the most critical thing. And as you were saying, there's a lot of other um, uh, issues that uh, you may actually be able to um, uh, change in your lifestyle with respect to drinking alcohol, uh, losing weight, uh, not being on hormonal replacement therapy, things like that, that, uh, that could actually decrease your, your risk for breast cancer. Okay. And then, and then as a radiologist, how does uh, dense breast tissue affect one's testing? Sure. So um, 
and again, that's kind of what we were getting back to before, that having that dense breast tissue there uh, can make it difficult to see in the tissue. So again, if you have, you know, a spot that's there in the breast or a mass, if you will, having that extra glandular tissue can make it more challenging uh, to see. And then are there any tests better than a mammogram for dense breasts? So uh, there are additional um, uh, uh, tests that uh we use as supplemental screening. So it's always important to remember that uh, screening mammography is uh, the only imaging modality that's been shown to decrease risk of mortality uh, from breast cancer. And so by undergoing either annual screening or screening every other year, uh, you decrease the risk of death. Um, the, the relative risk of death is decreased to 0.8. So it's very important. Now, um, things that uh, can help uh, seeing in the dense breast tissue. First of all, um, a lot of the uh, literature that was talking about the decreased sensitivity was talking about some of the older mammograms that we used to do where it was film screen mammography. So uh, most centers these days now do use uh, digital mammography, which has helped um, raise sensitivity uh, for detecting breast cancer, even in women with uh, dense breasts. So it brings it almost to the same level of sensitivity uh, that uh, we used to have with the film screen mammograms for women who were um, scattered fibroglandular tissue. Uh, other things that have been added um, uh, to a lot of screening programs is uh, breast tomosynthesis or 3D mammography. So that's also very important uh, in uh, women who have dense breasts. It helps women of all uh, uh, breast densities, but certainly in those who have more dense tissue, uh, it, it helps to be able to see in that tissue because you're taking a, basically it's like having a 3D slice through it where you're cutting through the breast. And so you can see things that would otherwise be hidden. And so as it turns out by adding on tomosynthesis or 3D mammography, you can detect another uh, one to two cancers per 1,000 women just by using that. So it's been very helpful. Um, there are also other modalities that uh, involve using ultrasound. So um, uh, we can use uh, whole breast screening ultrasound either where uh, the technologist or the physician does the scanning themselves. They also have automated systems now where uh, the scanner uh, automatically performs the scans through the breast tissue. Uh, that's been the workhorse for uh, a lot of centers uh, as well, um, where it's fairly accessible to women um, and uh, um, uh, the it, it, it's pretty well tolerated. And so using uh, breast screening ultrasound, you can find additional cancers there as well, maybe another four or so per 1,000 women. The problem with uh, ultrasound and um, some of the other supplemental screening studies that we'll talk about later is that um, we can also find um, other things that aren't breast cancer. And so that can also become a concern for women um, about, you know, coming in for all these additional tests, finding other things that in the end really have no effect on their longevity, meaning we're not finding breast cancers or we're not finding things that are going to shorten their, their life if we, you know, were to just find them later. Um, Breast MRI is another modality that can be used. Typically that's one that's really reserved more for our high risk population. Um, 
one who's got a lifetime risk of say over 20 percent 25 percent uh or has uh, you know a, a, a personal history of breast cancer um uh another uh, there's some other modalities that we can also use including um uh molecular breast imaging um that's not necessarily uh in uh, widely available in clinical practices that's more university centers that may be offering it and then down the road, there may be um, other things that uh, will be helpful as well, uh, such as contrast-enhanced mammography, where we are actually injecting in some intravenous contrast and then taking images of the breast. Again, not something that's widely clinically available, but perhaps something in the future. Right. And, and at any rate, early detection's key. First stop is your animal, annual mammogram. So if you are of the age to receive annual mammograms, making sure that you're staying on top of those, and then working with your healthcare team to understand uh, what dense breast tissue means and what next steps may be for you as a patient. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and that's uh, a question that we get from women very commonly who, for whatever reason, might have difficulty uh, doing the mammograms or, you know, the concerns over, uh, you know, having the breast and compression and things like that. All of these other um, imaging tests that we're talking about are always in addition to, but not to replace uh, mammography. Because again, screening mammography is really the only imaging test where we have good scientific evidence that it reduces uh, death from breast cancer. And in fact, on my way in this morning, uh, I just heard about a, a new article that was published in, in uh, Cancer uh, that talked about uh, looking at women um, who've been treated since uh, the early 90s, I think it's from about 89, taking into account the screening programs that we do now for mammography and also the newer uh, imaging tests. The estimates are, uh, excuse me, the new treatment uh, methods, that is, uh, the estimates are that it's it's saved uh, it, around 500,000 women um, from, from breast cancer death. That's pretty incredible. And, and new technologies like the 3D mammograms and all of these modalities that you mentioned are just really important to women and, and let's, you know, take uh, take that proactive step forward in caring for yourself and caring for your loved ones as well. That's right. I mean, we it's it, it, it kind of shows the importance of continuing to do this research. Uh, as I said, we need to do the tests to figure out, are these supplemental tests for the dense breast screening? Is that going to give benefit to, um, you know, women in terms of further decreasing their their uh, risk of death from breast cancer. Uh, so it, it'll be exciting to see over the coming years how we can, you know, further, uh, further save patients' lives. Well, thank you for giving us a better understanding of what breast density is and what it means for a patient. Um, if individuals uh, are looking for more information on uh, dense breast tissue, definitely talk to your doctor first. That's always in your healthcare team. Um, that's always a good first step. Also, you can find more information online at riversidehealthcare.org or at acr.org. And Dr. Brian, do you have other resources to share with us? Uh, no, those are good ones. But, you know, one thing that I do want to uh, talk about before we end our conversation today is that, um, you know, the the group of women who are, who are going to want to consider um, additional uh, testing outside of, you know, the screening mammography and the tomosynthesis are really going to be the, the women who fall into what we consider uh, more of an intermediate risk for breast cancer. And so what we're talking about there are women 
with a about a 15 to 20 percent lifetime risk if you've if you've gone through and, and had those uh, estimates taken. Um, a personal history of breast cancer, a history of lobular neoplasia, or atypia on a prior biopsy. Those are the women where possibly you know doing the whole breast screening ultrasound may uh, add some value. If you have no other risk factors, really, other than just having the dense breasts, uh, mo- there's uh, really no uh, recommendations that you consider doing any supplemental screening other than uh, just the, the mammography. And finally, if you fall into the high-risk category uh, where you're over 20 to 25%, again, MRI is really the way to go. Uh, so that's going to be something that's going to uh, want to be incorporated in with a screening mammography. So um, these are all things, as you said, to talk with your physician about uh, or with uh, with a radiologist when you come in for your, for your screening exams. Um, again, it's just one other component to be aware about. And um, uh, we look forward to, to helping women uh, navigate this process as, as they come to us. Well, thank you. Thank you for joining us. And, and that wraps up this Well Within Reach podcast for Riverside Healthcare.